The Rouge Report is brought to you by Young's Equipment, your case IH dealer in Southern Saskatchewan. Young's is home to a wide selection of new and used case IH combines to meet your needs for any size farm. Their experienced technicians and wide selection of parts will keep you running all season. Go to youngs.ca and use the podcast code ROUGE, R-O-U-G-E, for your chance to win a writer's prize package. Welcome to the Rouge Report, presented by Young's Equipment. I'm Cody Fajardo. And I'm Isaac Harker. Follow along as we tackle CFL topics one point at a time. Rider Podcast. Welcome into episode seven, all you Rouge Report listeners. And uh, today it's just Isaac and I. I feel like Isaac, you you can't have somebody on the show, especially after like a big name like Darian Durant, right? So just me and you, just to kind of show the respect and have the our listeners marinate in that great episode and uh, episode six, right? What do you think? Oh yeah, you got to give it time to breathe and let people digest <laughs> all that information. Sounds like a fine wine, right? You oh, like yeah. those nice wines breathe. Ah, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yes, the 2020. Mm, delicious. <laughs> uh, I kind of want to talk about this today. It's a little topical for me. So my wife came into town for, she was in DC for 10 days because of the whole COVID thing. She had to do some hands-on thing. She came into town for three days and now she just left uh, to Texas for a first part of clinicals. Um, which is going to be eight weeks. And then after eight weeks, she goes to Southern California for 10 weeks and then she's back to Reno. So about 18 weeks. And just want to talk about long distance relationships. Uh, I know you've dealt with them, but especially when you play in the CFL, um, you're dealing with, as an American guy, you're dealing with long distance relationship. Doesn't matter if it's your significant other or your family or, you know, your mother, your father, just like those types of relationships are all long distance. And so Talk to me a little bit uh, about how you found yourself in this long distance relationship with Emily and with your family and, and stuff like that. Yeah, it's it's definitely different. I feel like there's a different vibe between having a long distance relationship in the, the States, like because she's living in Colorado now and I'm in Indiana because I thought the season would be have been started. But it's different having it between the U.S. and Canada just because like the border feels like more distance than the normal, if that makes any sense. Yeah, that's a great point. And I tell people this all the time. It's like uh, when I talk to like high schools and stuff, I I talk about my wife and I's long distance relationship. And I'm like, look, we didn't do long distance, like 30 minute drive away where it's just kind of inconvenient. We did long distance where it's different time zones, different countries. There's a border separating us. And it's quite honestly, at the beginning, it was scary because if something crazy happened, say in the US or Canada, and they shut the border down, like there's no way I would be able to go down and be with her during like a crazy, you know, something like this, a, a pandemic or something, right? So um, that was that was scary. But I think the biggest thing that drove me to uh, marrying Laura was the fact that we did do long distance. And I woke up every day and I was like, man, I can't do life without this girl. I can't do it. And I realized like, what the heck am I doing? I'm wasting this. I'm wasting her time if I'm just stringing her along all these cities and trying to bounce around and play football. So uh, the one thing I will say about uh, long distance is it pushed me into marrying my wife, which has been the greatest decision of my life. Uh, do you have any tips, tricks, or anything that you, you've you kind of done with Emily that's uh, helped kind of keep things spiced up? Because obviously you don't see her for months on end. 
Yeah, and she's she's so awesome because it she makes the long distance relationship I feel like a lot easier than most are just because like she's my best friend obviously so I feel like we can talk on FaceTime for forever and it just never gets really stale or anything but we play a lot of of games together like on the switch and everything so that kind of helps too because it's that like couch co-op feeling but just like thousands of miles apart you know <laughs> you, you can communicate on the switch um normally like we'll have a facetime going while we are oh, playing cool. yeah because yeah. nintendo doesn't have a great uh yeah that's what i thought like chat system or anything like that Interesting. Yeah. So, uh, Laura and I, what we try and do is we try and do a dinner date, uh, every week where we do FaceTime, we try and cook like the same dinner and we dress up kind of nice and we just sit down and just like a, have a normal conversation, like we're having dinner together. And that's been really cool because those are the things you miss. You just miss sitting down and being at the dinner table and just talking about how was your day? How was your week and stuff like that. And that's helped out tremendously. But I think what really has made this whole thing work is Laura, her personality and the way she is, because there's got to be a lot of trust. There's got to be a lot of faith and there's got to be a lot of love. All three of those got to go into this uh, long distance relationship in order to make it work. And she, all three of those is she was dynamite on. Yeah. And if I feel like if you're ever worried about it, then that's kind of a red flag. And I've just never, I've never even really given it a second thought. It's, you know what I mean? It's just, it's it's easy it's easy and that's what a relationship should be i feel like and that's the last thing you want to do you're worried about playing football and you want to now you have to worry about your girlfriend back home or your wife back home right and and what they're doing and uh it's just too hard and so when you find someone like i have in laura where i just get to focus on football and she's supporting me 100 percent of the way it's truly incredible but living long distance it brings me to the next thing you drove up Right. So driving is probably one of my least favorite things to do. It doesn't matter if it's around the city, long distance. I hate driving. And I will say on the record, I'm, I'm a terrible driver. I tell <laughs> everyone I'm a good driver, but everyone's like, no, you're not a very good driver. So I've kind of succumbed to that. And I've just told myself like, look, all right, I'm a, I'm a terrible driver. I'll admit it. But uh, give me your top three worst chores growing up. Like uh, when you were growing up, what do you think was you just dreaded doing? the one that's right off the top of the head is dishes. I hate doing dishes. Mm -hmm. So I've kind of developed a strategy where like, as soon as you get a plate dirty, it's got to get cleaned. Cause I hate like having all the food and the, the dishes dirty in the sink and then having to do those is easily my least favorite thing. What, what's your worst? Oh yeah. Dishes are, is up there. I mean, dishwashers make things a lot easier nowadays. Cause you just rinse them, put them in the dishwasher. Um, I would say probably like scrubbing down the counters and like the oven and the stovetop. Oh mm, man, I hate yeah. that. Just how grimy it is and like cooking bacon and getting bacon grease everywhere from like the splatter. Like I just, I dislike that very, very much. <laughs> I'm, I'm a big fan of vacuuming. Honestly, that's probably my favorite chore to do. Oh, okay. Let's go that way. My favorite chore is mowing lawns. I love it. Like Big I was time. thinking about, I was thinking about going to my neighbors and just saying, Hey, your, your lawn's a little long. You mind if I just cut it for you? <laughs> because I love it so much, you know, you, but I don't want to take the money away from the kids. Cause as a young kid, that's how you made money, right? You went mm -hmm. around and you mowed lawns, but there's nothing better then when you're mowing your lawn and you see it and then the after the before and after it's like a nice haircut right and you're just like man my yeah. lawn looks good and yeah. being a homeowner i i've noticed that i've i've walked past people when i take Sully on a walk 
uh, Laura and I did this the other day. We'll walk by people's houses and we kind of get a little judgmental on their front yard because we're like, <laughs> oh, ours is better. Ours is better. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, if you go over to your neighbors like that, they they probably don't know you love mowing lawns. So they're just like, what is this guy with the homeowners association? Like, <laughs> my dream is this buddy. Yeah. Is this guy kidding? And I find <laughs> eggs all over my house the next day. <laughs> So, yeah, but yeah, I, I love, I think that's my number one would definitely be uh, mowing lawns and you vacuuming up, like vacuuming hardwood, carpet, does it matter? I like a nice crease in the carpet. Yeah, that's, yeah, carpet for sure. Hardwood, I mean, I'd rather not mop it up. I'd, I'd rather just uh, vacuum carpet because it looks so clean. Um, it's kind of yeah. like the power washing thing from a couple episodes ago. Uh-huh. Yeah. And actually we had one listener who's like, hey, thanks for getting me through power washing. And because uh, they were power washing their fence and they're like, oh, I'm just listening to the podcast and I got through a lot more than I wanted to. <laughs> Which Pretty ironic. Very topical. Yeah, exactly. Uh, big news, I guess, in the sports world with Mahomes contract, uh, 500 and I think three possibility to make $503 million. I mean, mm. just just tell me your thoughts of the Mahomes contract. Uh, what would you do if you signed a contract? What, what's the first thing you're doing when you sign a contract like that? Before I get into that, I want to say I saw this thing like a couple years ago and it's so like poignant that it's just stuck in my mind. It's like a million versus a billion because like a million seems like a lot and a billion is like, okay, that's a lot too. But a million seconds is like 12 days. Okay. But a billion seconds is 31 years. Oh my that Yeah. There you go right there. So he's making that's half crazy. a billion dollars. He could spend a dollar a second for for 15 years for the better part of two decades well that they always do those things where it's like if patrick mahomes drops a dollar bill is it worth it for him to pick it up and it's like not worth it i think he makes like a dollar 60 a second so if the time it would take him to pick that dollar up he would be making more money doing something else yeah that's like come on oh man like shoot i can't even like fathom that amount of money. Okay, let, let me do this. This is a great would you rather that I ask a lot of people and because the answers are great. So if someone gave you a million dollars and they said you had to spend it all in 24 hours and you can't give any of it away, you have to buy things. What? How are you spending that money? Okay. You also, you also cannot invest it. Okay, great. Great question. I'm right off the bat. I'm getting on the Nintendo eShop and I'm just <laughs> getting anything that piques my interest whatsoever. <laughs> Yeah, that's going to be like $700. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Maybe not even that. And then... You know, you're putting a dent into that. You got and, a long ways to go. And then, so I'm driving a 2002 Cadillac right now. I mm. might I might upgrade that, but I love that car so much. Like, I don't you think I could... buy the same car with less miles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just like maybe like something a little newer, just because like that's not even, what, 15000 So I'm not even, I'm not even close yet. Then... I might, I'm going to get a house for sure. I don't have a house yet. So I would purchase a house. Man, How much would you spend on the house? Shoot. Probably 500 of it just yeah, to make yeah, things easier for yeah. me. <laughs> At yeah. least 500. And you can pay it. Yeah. Cause you're not going to get there knowing you and your lifestyle, a million dollars is hard for you to spend. Yeah. So <laughs> 500,000, you might have to go to 600,000 to get there. <laughs> yeah. If I got a million dollars, I'd be like, Ooh, I might go out for a nice lunch. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You might order, you know, a side a side milkshake this time as opposed to water. Exactly. But man, yeah, I like I like. All right, so I'm a big so skateboarding guy too, so I might get a couple boards and build a skate park in the backyard of the 500k okay. house. 
I was going to say, Isaac, come on now. You're going to buy a couple skateboards for about $150. <laughs> so now we're at $550. That's, I mean, come on. Okay. Backyard okay, in your new house, in your new $600,000 house, you're going to build a, oh, that'd be sweet. Oh that'd man, be really cool. that'd be so much fun. And I big guitar guy too. So I'm upgrading all the gear. Like I just feel like there's no way I could spend a million dollars in a day. Yeah, I know. It's crazy to think about that. Right. But people, some people do it. I mean, I took out the easiest and what everyone would do, I would hope is invest most of that money. But, uh, when you take that away and you think about just material objects, you really think like, man, I, it'd be hard to spend a million dollars on just material things. I mean, some people I'm sure it's very easy for, but uh, a guy like you, I can definitely tell that's going to be a little bit harder. Yeah. Not like not very lavish or into like stuff like that. I got an example. So I was watching, I've been watching a lot of like skateboarding stuff on YouTube and th- it kind of like led me into this rabbit hole of this uh, channel called complex and they like take people shop like shoe shopping and they explain like oh what these certain types of shoes have meant to them and then they like buy a few pairs of shoes at the end and i saw one episode where someone bought like 15 pairs of shoes or something and it ended up totaling like $20,000 and dude i thought i was going to throw up i was like sick to my stomach it wasn't even your money no <laughs> that's hilarious okay (laughs) this leads me i guess to my next point what's the most expensive thing you own uh probably man that's a that's a good one probably my fender i've got a fender telecaster that's runs pretty expensive but it was more of a gift to me so i didn't even i didn't even buy it but it's just yeah it's like my my precious it's a it's an electric guitar that's mostly used in like country music yeah Gotcha. Wait, so, but you didn't buy it. So I need something that you physically spent your money on. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Definitely. Definitely my switch for sure. That's like, come on, Isaac. That's like what? $300. Yeah. I don't, I honestly don't think I've spent more than $300 on us on an Uh, item. I love that. That is amazing. (laughs) That is so great. You've you've Uh, recently bought a house, so you've spent a little more money than I have. That's an easy, that's an easy one for me. Before that, it would probably, it would be my car. Um, we bought okay. a brand new car a few years ago just because we had to drive across the country and needed something reliable. Right. But before that, man, um, I pitched I for my uh, I pitched two thousand for my Deville out of four thousand, so I paid okay. for half of it. So that's definitely up there too. Yeah. Oh yeah. There you go. Exactly. Perfect. Um, all right. So next next topic, kind of want to talk about if uh, you want to take this one, I guess. Yeah. If if you weren't because I've just been thinking like money like a, a boatload of money, like generational wealth will like change like how people work and stuff. But if you weren't a professional quarterback, what do you think you would be doing? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a great question. Can I still be an athlete? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Um, I, I personally feel that I was better at baseball than I was at football. I made the decision, which is one of my biggest regrets in life um, to quit baseball my sophomore year uh, because I wanted to focus on football and just, just focusing on football. I mean, it was great for me and I got a scholarship and had a great high school career winning state and all these crazy accolades. But, um, it's just like when you get to college and it's all about football and then you get to professional and it's all about football. It's like, you miss the times where you took away from football and you were playing baseball for, you know, three months out of the year. And so I, I did definitely miss that. Um, I thought I could have got recruited as a center fielder and I, I loved baseball and I had a lot of fun doing it, but it would have been interesting to see what kind of life I would have lived 
if I would have chose baseball over football, it would have been, I mean, I, who knows what would have happened. W- what about you? Man, high schools make it so hard nowadays to like, if you're going to a big high school, like from, I'm from Lebanon, I was able to play three, but people want you to really like specialize at such an early age. It's like, how do you know what you want to do when you're 13? You can't even try everything out. You hit it on the nose. Like I, I had an issue where the baseball team was practicing during the summer and our baseball coach said, well, if you can't make at least six games and it was only like 10 games, if you can't make at least six, then we're just going to cut you anyways. And we had summer seven on seven. And I'm just thinking, well, baseball's not till a spring sport. So I'm going to focus on football. And I just made the decision because I was like, it was too much for me, time demanding to go to baseball and football. And for me as a quarterback, I had to change my my whole throwing concept and I would get back to football and start throwing it like a baseball and the ball would come out ugly. Right. So I I struggled there and I just made the decision on my own. And I wish that they didn't put that kind of ultimatum on me because I I thought I was a really good baseball player that I could add a lot of fun playing both. Especially early in high school when you can't even like drive yet. It's so hard to like give kids like that an ultimatum, especially when their mom's driving them around everything they got to be to anyways, they can't be in two places at once. Yeah, I know. And so I had an older brother who was a senior when I was a sophomore and he was able to drive, but he's not going to wait around for me to, you know, senior in high school is not going to wait for his younger brother to finish baseball (laughs) practice and then take him home. Like that was just not going to happen. So, and we only have so many cars right at the house. And so that, that was the biggest issue. You hit it right on the head was, I mean, it's really hard. And these coaches ask so much of the parents to be these chauffeurs for their kids. And it's like, let's be realistic. But if I'm ever a head coach for a high school, I am huge on playing multiple sports because my wife and I talk about all the time, her physical therapy background. Now she talks about how you build different muscle groups playing different sports. And if you just play football, then you're only building these certain muscles. And then if you try and, you know, do something that's not normal in football, that's when injuries occur. But if you play basketball and then you play baseball, you're working all these different muscle groups and now everything's stronger and you're a better athlete. So you being a three-time athlete, I mean, that's, that's definitely helped. I was thinking about that the other day, just because like, I, my brother is like a really, really good athlete. He's, he's going to be a senior in high school, but I was, I was skating around a little bit just cause I missed it. So I was just rolling around and I watched him try and step on the board and he can hardly like stand on the board. And it's like, man, you develop a lot of different tiny muscles for like balance doing stuff like that. And it's the same for basketball and baseball, just doing doing other stuff that'll make you a more well-rounded athlete in general. I think balance is what, what makes you the most, I mean, athletic person. If you have really good balance, I, I picture you as a really top high end athlete. Like some of these gymnasts, I'm just thinking like that is a true athlete as opposed to me who just drops back and throws the ball 40 yards down the field. (laughs) Like that's fun. But uh, to be able to stand on this, however wide this beam is and do all these tricks and flips, I'm like that that's an athlete. (laughs) Oh yeah. And they're like landing on one foot and stuff too. Like the knee strength to keep your, (laughs) to keep your like legs straight is, I mean, it's, it's good stuff. Uh, It's brutal, right? It's, it's, I mean, just watching it and these girls, how they're flex, even the guys, how flexible they are and how much they're just can torque their body. I I can't even think about that without getting injured. (laughs) I went down another YouTube rabbit hole the other day of of, of these like skateboarders who have like one trick they really want to nail on like a certain obstacle. And it's like, you're going like, they call it my war. It's like a war with that spot and that trick. This one dude, Okay, a 25 stair step, like 
like drop. He he ollied and melon grabbed and went down 25 stairs. And I just cringe watching him because every time he doesn't land on the wheel, like stomp the bolts down and roll away, like you're just jumping off of 25 steps. <laughs> See, you're, th- you're talking hieroglyphics to me because I'm not a skateboarder. Even though I'm from SoCal, I am not a skateboarder, but I, I kind of picture can picture that. I would just never, I would look at 25 stairs and be like, I'm not going to try and go over this. Because You're going to get tired <laughs> walking up those stairs, let alone Every jumping time, down yeah. from the top, you know? <laughs> then I got to walk up the stairs again, bleeding and thinking in my head, is this worth it? Is it worth it? <laughs> I, yeah. was not a, I was not a skateboarder. Everyone skateboarded in Southern California. I, mm-hmm. I surfed a few times, but I was just so focused on sports. I wish I would have got more into surfing. Um, water sports. Let's talk a little bit about water sports because I have a lot of fun doing those. Do you have you uh, wakeboarded? I've never wakeboarded. I've only really skied. Oh, okay, yeah. Wakeboarding is so hard just to get up. Once you get up, it's fun. Um, give me. I, I'll give you mine first. My top three water sports would probably have to be number one would be probably tubing because that is just so much fun. Mm-hmm. Number two would probably be uh, wakeboarding, and then number three would probably be surfing. Um, all have their own different things, but, uh, do you have a top three? I'm going to go in a completely different direction, but still water-based like competitions. So (laughs) we used to play, um, water polo. We had this little like tiny blow up goal and it fit perfectly in like the steps of the shallow end. So we would like have a goalie and play water polo, like not, not treading water and stuff, but it was still so much fun. And just like, you know, like everything else is just like, playing with your friends it gets really competitive and things like that are you getting grimy under the water like they do in real water polo like absolutely (laughs) dunking people and holding them down (laughs) yikes that's scary (laughs) but then another one was like you know the underwater torpedoes for like just pools and stuff oh yeah oh yeah we would play one-on-one or like two-on-two we called it torpedo game, but you really are just like passing and like, obviously things get physical and stuff like that. You're like setting screens and stuff, but you can't swim forward with it. It has to be out of your hand to like advance the ball. They so, have a league like that in Southern oh, really? California. It's a league where you go underground, underwater. You take like, uh, it's like, I don't know, the community pools that are like 12 to 15 feet deep. And you grab like a 60 pound dumbbell, jump in with the 60 pound dumbbell all the way to the bottom. And then you start fighting it out. And if you got to come up for air, that's just like one less person on your team. And that's when for sure and stuff. So it's, it's pretty, I I can't do that because I'm a panicker underwater. (laughs) So I would be the guy who's always going up for air. And they're like, dude, you just went up for air. (laughs) You just got some, man. I honestly thought I invented that game. So it's good to hear that it's an actual sport. Maybe you can get some money off of that. You should yeah. be like, hey, I actually invented. You got any film on that? Maybe uh, if you got some. I'm sure some we got some old grimy home VHS. videos of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> some VHS where you can't see under the water. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are those guys doing? What are those shadows under the water doing? Yeah. Uh, I guess the next thing I kind of want to talk about is um, a lot of these sports are restarting up. And um, I'm sure everyone's seen it. And I'm sure you've seen it, like the NBA bubble and all the the craziness there nhl baseball's um trying to start up which which sport are you most excited to kind of get back ufc's kind of full throttle already formula one's going um but which kind of of those major sports that we haven't been watching um are you most excited about yeah i'm not a big like uh, formula one or nascar guy but i i like watching nba so i'm pretty excited for them to get to get going and stuff like that yeah i, I think 
I was talking to um, someone about this earlier. The bubble, they make it seem worse than what it is. 100%. I, think, I want to talk about that too, yeah. I think personally it's like a summer camp. Some of the pictures I saw, they have like ping pong tables. Some of these guys are doing like trick shots and playing these pickup games. It's just like the best NBA players in the world all under one roof. And it's like a NBA camp, like summer camp, you know, and having DJ stuff on their balcony. Like people want to take pictures of the food and all that. But my one defense to that is when you're trying to make X amount of food for a lot of people, you're going to sacrifice the quality of it for the quantity of it. Right. So, uh, it's going to be hard, but I mean, they were eating steak and shrimp. What, what's wrong with that? <laughs> yeah. And like you, you see some, some guys are like, Hey, the bubble's what you make it. Like I'm having a blast. And then you see other guys who are trying to focus on the negatives. And I think that'll end up hurting their play later on. So I guess it'll even itself out later. That's a, that's a great point. I didn't even think about that, but that's a really good point. I think you get to see what type of person some of these NBA guys are. Are they prima donnas? Are they guys who, you know, want to be fed with a silver spoon? Or are they like, you know what? I came from worse than this. This is good living. And I've seen some of those guys saying like, where I'm from, this is luxury, you know, and it's just what you make of the situation. So I guess that will lead me to my, our next point is if we had a hub city thing, what, give me your like biggest three things that you would have to have to make your hub city just so you don't go mentally crazy. Cause I know you on the mental side, uh, that much time and just being locked in an area, I, I could see you might be going a little stir crazy. Yeah. And for me, I've got a lot of different hobbies that help me like, cause I don't really watch TV, like I've said, but I, I like watching YouTube. So just having my laptop there, I'll bring a guitar for sure. I'll bring the switch. So I don't think I'll be at a shortage of things to do. Plus during the season, there's always, there's always work to be done with the film and, visualization and stuff like that so i mean i think I'm, I'm excited to do it if we have a hub city like i'm really looking forward to it i know it'll be a lot harder on other people just because i'm young and and things like that it'll be a little bit easier for me yeah i think uh, some of the things that i i are musts for me is I got to have a comfortable bed. If you're going to put me on like a twin bed in a dorm, I, I'm not going to be able to do that. If I'm in a hotel bed, then it's more feasible, right? Uh, mm -hmm. I, I'm huge on sleep during the season. I'm in bed by like 930, you know me, mm -hmm. and try and get eight, eight and a half, sometimes nine hours of sleep so I can recover faster. And if I don't have a good bed, I, I can see a lot, even a lot of guys just leading to more injuries. So that was one of the things when the CFL kind of reached out, I just said, look, I got to have a comfortable bed is, is number one. Um, number two, food quality, because you got to think we're not going to be able to leave. So you can't just stuff us with, you know, Chick-fil-A sandwiches. You got to be able to, and we're not probably not going to have kitchens. So you're going to have to be able to cater to our nutritional needs. And some guys are, you know, I think uh, Figgy last year is vegan, right? So you got to be able to cater to some guys who don't eat meat and don't eat uh, certain things or are allergic to certain things. So that's going to make things a little bit more difficult. Um, I eat everything, so it doesn't really matter to me, but I was just thinking more for other guys. Um, it, it would be tough knowing that you can't make your own meal of what you like and you just have to eat what they're giving you I, I don't know how do you feel about that yeah I'm, I've never been too picky but also I don't like like the portions won't be an issue for me just because I don't eat like I don't pound for, like a lineman they're burning so many calories and they're so big and they can't lose weight so they need to be pounding so much food so I can see portions being something that would be have like you need to look into it yeah that's a great point would you portion size based on body weight or I don't know how how they would do that and then 
and then hydration would be a big thing. I think guys would have to have each have like their own Brita system where they can just have unlimited water um, because you're just going to be crushing a ton of water bottles and Gatorades and stuff like that. Right. And even for me, I, I can't stand a lot of Gatorade because it's so sugary. So I just try and get as much water as I can um, to go. And then, and then the ultimate thing is my room better be stocked with some grenadine and, and Pepsi because <laughs> when we went football games, I can't go to the store and get it. So it better be there for my celebratory drink, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure somebody will, somebody will, there'll be a designated grenadine and Pepsi guy. <laughs> oh, that would be good living right there. It's just like, oh, here comes the grenadine guy. <laughs> This guy's knocking on my door at all hours of the night, making sure I'm stocked up. (laughs) I'm fine with that, though. I'm fine with that. Um, As we're we're getting a little deeper into this, um, the summer, what's your schedule kind of been looking like? Have you um, stayed kind of in the same routine? Have you changed your routine up just a little bit? Just take me through, just take me through a typical, you know, two or three days. What's it look like? Yeah. So during the week, I'll wake up like around eight and then I'm lifting and the schedule depends on the day. Like Monday today I did, um, heavy upper body. And then I went to the, to the new field that we got in Lebanon and I ran, did some conditioning. And then after that I was doing visualization, like going through our certain, our certain plays and then, okay, picture in half high into the boundary. This is where my reads at. Boom, boom, going through the progression. Okay. That got taken away. Okay. Different look, same play left hash, right hash. Like I'm a big visualization guy. So I spend a lot of time on that. And then after that, I'll do about an hour of film and then look through the pictures of the plays just so I have them like burned into my memory. And then after that, it's hanging out with Garrett or or Tori or like just hanging with the family or we, we got some, some of my close buddies are minor league baseball players. So they're back home because they, they're not having a season this year. So we'll, we'll hang out and do stuff too. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I know you're a big visual guy. Um, for me, I'm a big do it guy, but, uh, is, is your schedule pretty much the same every single day? Do you take days off? Or yeah, do you so, go? So Monday through Friday, it's, it's that really strict. It's lifting, conditioning, film, visualization, and look through the place every, every time without fail. But then Saturdays and Sundays, I take a, a mental break from that just to kind of refresh and recharge and do stuff like me and Garrett have been playing a lot of rocket league. So that's been fun. So the weekends are kind of time to, to take off and maybe do a little conditioning or, or just like stretch and foam roll and take care of your body. And that's, and that's the hard thing I think is if you just mentally exhaust yourself now, it's going to be exhausting if, if, and when we get this season rolling, like we're going to be playing games pretty close to each other and it's just going to be a football nonstop 24 seven. You're not going to be able to do anything. So I've kind of taken a little bit different approach because I know when I get to Canada, it's going to be nonstop football for me. And so I don't want to just burn myself out now. So for me, I, you know, a typical Monday, it looks like I wake up, Um, I make myself just a tiny little snack, go downstairs. I have like this kettlebell set up workout gym in my, in my house. I'll do that. And then after that, I'll come up and make an actual breakfast. And then I train quarterbacks. And so usually, uh, Mondays is my heavier days where I have about three quarterbacks and that takes about, you know, four hours of my time 
come back, make myself some lunch. Then I try and um, just touch base on some of the plays and stuff like that, just so it stays fresh in my mind. I don't kill myself too much on that. I'll, I'll stay about 30 minutes to 45 minutes, throw on an episode or a show. Uh, and then once it gets cooler, because it's like 95 right now, mm. around 7 o'clock, I'll take my uh, dog on a, a long walk um, and then come back, make some dinner, and then go to bed. But um, yeah, football wise, like I talked to coach Moss about it. It was like, cause we were hitting it so hard and we were talking about it every day. And, and he felt the same way. He's like, I just gotta get, he's like, I gotta get away from it. Cause I know when he goes into Canada, he's going to have to quarantine, right. For 14 days. And he's like, what, what am I going to do for those 14 days? Football nonstop. So why am I crushing myself now? And then when I know I'm going to have 14 days, which makes total sense to me, um, so it's, it's hard to have that mental balance. And I know that you are just one of those guys who likes to over-prepare. Um, for me, it's a little bit different. Like if I over-prepare, sometimes I feel like I get a little burned out. So it's interesting how each, each player, depending on their strengths and weaknesses, they kind of go about it a little bit different, you know? Yeah. Cause I feel like the more I think about it in this time and the more I visualize the less, if I turn my brain off when I'm on the field, really, like you're just reacting and you know it's so deep rooted in your brain that it, you just like do it. Yeah, I, I see. I'm. Compl- I feel like I'm just a completely different guy. I'm. I react to things, but I just feel like my skill set has never really been just like outthinking the defense. It's just been more of a talent and just getting through just getting through with my athletic ability and where I saw last year, my biggest improvements was when I was mentally prepared, I was able to perform better. And I think a lot of that goes to you too, by, cause you're such a mental guy that, um, you know, I've never been around someone who's focused so much on just, you know, visualization and stuff like that. And I just added that kind of to my repertoire and, and it made me, I felt like a better quarterback, so that's one of those things we talked about earlier. I don't remember exactly what episode, but you kind of just take certain things from guys um, that you learn from. doesn't matter if they're younger or older than you. You just take some. You're like, oh, I like that. I think that'll help me out. And, and that's one of those things I think has really helped me. I just wish that um, I was better at it because I, I don't have too much time on task with it. So I'm still trying to figure out what fits me and in my off-season preparation. Yeah, and everybody's everybody's brains fire their synapses different and everything like that. So it's kind of whatever you find works best for you. That's what you should really like hone in on. And I think the best coaches help people find their process instead of making them adhere to a certain like set of guidelines and stuff. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, and that's a huge too is how coaching affects certain guys as well and how learning affects certain guys as well. And so I just, I'm curious about how this whole hub thing is going to go because they're talking about limiting our time with our teammates. And, you know, one of the biggest things I look forward to is just our meetings when it's just the QBs running backs and wide receivers and there's no coaches in there, but I don't think we're going to be able to do that in a hub city because they're just going to have you limited practice time and meeting time. So I think that's going to take away from a lot of like us getting some walkthroughs after practice of just the players out there. Like we learned a lot there and what guys were thinking and what I was thinking. And I think that's what helped us become really successful. And I just am curious as how they're going to break that down because it's going to be like, you're only going to have a certain amount of time on the field and then you got to get off the field. You're not going to be able to meet in your room. Once you're in your room, you're not going to be able to see any teammates. Like I, I think it's going to be a real strict thing. Do you, do you know if you're going to have like a roommate or is it going to be everyone's in their own room? 
like everyone's going to be in their own room. Um, just because if it's just would be too hard, especially with another guy. And, and I would be, it'd be really hard for me if to be with another guy in a room and say he's a snorer or something. Right. And then you yeah. have an issue with that. But, um, I, I, from everything I've kind of read, it seems like we're going to be all separated and it's just going to be limited, like team only contact during practices. And you're not going to be able to converse with teammates or hang out with teammates, you know, like training camp we'd all go to the common area and talk about plays and stuff, or we'd all, you know, meet somewhere at like the dairy queen or what is that where we went? Yeah. The oh, dairy yeah. queen, dairy all that queen. stuff. Right. And so we're not going to be able to do that. You're just going to feel really lonely. And, and I saw the blue Jays are giving a $750,000 fine. If you're caught outside of your hotel. 750,000. Yes. If you're caught outside the your little bubble. Yeah. Man. Well, obviously for money than us but that's how serious <laughs> they are about it and and i'm sure it's going to be just as strict uh for us as cfl guys and so it'll just be very interesting how life's going to be the hard the hardest part for me is going to be the fans like if we don't have fans there i am such a big play of the emotions of the crowd player that i kind of am a little worried um you know about playing with no fans in there because then you if you make a mistake it's one of those things where like oh it just feels like practice i just threw a pick but you're like oh wait this is an actual real game you know and, th and thousands and thousands of people are watching it on tv but it might not seem that way because nobody's in the stands so i don't know how do, how do you feel about playing in front of no fans yeah that's that's something I haven't really given much thought to. It's just the fans, whether you're home or away, play so much into the flow of the game and things like that. And part of the the thing I like most about playing in games is that you're just like separated from the practice environment. I know I've talked about that before, but practice is a lot harder for me than games. So Yeah, it's going to seem like a practice environment for you, which obviously does not play well to your strengths because you put so much pressure on yourself in practice. But I don't know. We'll see. Maybe because there's a different team out there, it might be different. But I mean, the, the thing I talk about with all my family members and friends is some players are going to thrive. You know, some people put so much pressure on themselves in games uh, that they kind of just limit their abilities with the fans there and they just are get overworked um, with no fans. I think you're going to see a lot of players like, whoa, this guy's really good. And then you're going to see some players falter who play to the crowd and play to the noise and all that fun stuff that goes into playing professional football. Right. So uh, I guess here's a good question. What feels better scoring a touchdown and hearing thousands of fans roar or scoring a touchdown in opposing stadium and hearing a pin drop, which one do you like or prefer the home field? The role. Really? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Close. I, I think I'm, I think I'm different. I think I, I love our roar of our fans. Don't get me wrong, but it's nothing better than going into a hostile environment and people are booing you and talking trash to you. And then you score and then everyone's silent and you're like, yeah, take that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like the competitor in me, you know, like when people are chirping me on the sideline and saying all these crazy things about my last name and all these things, I don't even know how they get information about. And then just drives me to want to score. And then when I score, I, I don't say anything. I just look up at the, I just look at, at the person and just kind of shrug my shoulders and like, and then they got nothing to say, you know? So <laughs> I, I prefer scoring a touchdown and just hearing a pin drop because then, you know, you did your job. Uh, like in college, we would play in these big stadiums, right? For 
um, our non-conference games and just the roar of the crowd coming out of the tunnel would get you so hyped and then scoring a touchdown and then you hear nothing. Like it was like, is there fans still here? You know, kind of thing. <laughs> and, and that was cool to me. And then like their, their defense would be on the field. They'd be so loud and trying to make it very hostile on you. And then you'd score and then everyone would be super quiet. And you're just like thinking like, oh man, I just ruined somebody's day right there. <laughs> And I guess you've always played in front of huge crowds, but even at Indiana State, I I always liked games a lot better and they were easier and we didn't have a huge amount of fans or really loud fans. It's just kind of like the game day is your day to like separate from from thinking, honestly. You just go out and do what you've prepared yourself to do for like 10 months. Yeah, my my football career has been really blessed with being in front of stadiums of thousands of people like in high school we would pull about 15 to 20,000 fans wow, per game. That is yeah. incredible. Honestly. Yeah, it is we and we were really good and obviously a lot of people would follow us but um we we're just a powerhouse school in Southern California and we had to play games at like Angel Stadium because we had so many fans at times. Did you have um, media people like interviewing you and stuff on high school? Yeah, yeah, we had uh, so like FS West which is like Fox Sports um they do like all the angel baseball games and all the dodger games and stuff like that and they covered high school football division one high school football down southern california so i got used to media at an early age where you win a game or lose a game and you get a microphone stuck in your face right that explains how comfortable you are with media people (laughs) across the board for sure yeah i mean yeah i mean it was definitely awkward when i was in high school but uh i just learned and you know we had some media people at our at our high school that helped us with that, which was a, a blessing because here you are a high school kid and you don't know how to talk in front of a camera and, and try and take out the ums and the oohs and the, you know, the things that make you don't sound very smart. The verbal tics like saying, you know, or you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Stuff like mm-hmm. that. Yep. So exactly right. And that, and that I was able to nip in the butt kind of early. So it was very beneficial, but yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll never forget our modern, we play modern day high school. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but oh, yeah. um, they're, powerhouse down there and it was one of the biggest rivalries and we played uh nfl films came down and filmed because they were doing like top rivalries across the country and we were like number three biggest rivalry across the country and so they came down and did a whole document a docuseries on the week leading up to the game and it was pretty pretty incredible just to see that um, we ended up losing the game and we played against matt barkley mm-hmm. uh he was at modern day at the time he was like the number one quarterback in the nation and so it was just just being around those cameras and stuff it was like one of those first times where I was like whoa this is kind of interesting but I mean I I guess the next thing I'm gonna talk about is did you know that I was on a reality tv show no (laughs) not many people do it's kind of one of those things that I don't really like to talk about but there was this tv show it was called and I was in high school at the time I was a senior in high school it was called The Ride. You can look it up. And I was the inaugural season. They took eight quarterbacks from across the country that were under the radar guys who they thought were really good. And um, you all battled it out and you tried to win a scholarship. Or basically, if you were the last quarterback standing out of the eight guys, you automatically got a bid into the all Under Armour All-American game or the, the cool. All-American game. That's cool. And so I remember going to this thing and being around all these cameras and stuff. And, and I was used to it. 
Um, but me and this other guy, we were actually head and shoulders above everybody else talent wise. Like some of these kids they picked were not very good. Personally, I didn't think. And so the only two kids who ended up getting scholarship from that was myself and uh, the other kid. The other kid ended up going to Georgia and we both got cut. We were both the first guys cut. He was actually my roommate at the time. We both got cut. And uh, the reasoning they said was they had to come up with a reason because they couldn't talk about our talent. Because when they told us they're going to cut us, they're like, look, we can't have you guys on this show because everyone's going to know who's going to win. And this is really, and you guys are going to get scholarships. This is really for guys who really need it. And and my biggest thing was like, okay, when you cut me, just don't make me seem like I'm not a good quarterback. And they're like, okay, yeah, we won't do that. And so their biggest thing, the reason that they cut me on this show was I got, they said, I got too caught up in all the cameras and all the media and that uh, it was just too much for me to focus on football with all that (laughs) Actions and here I was playing in front of twenty thousand fans a week in and week out and in front of cameras all the time and I'm just like this is the biggest BS thing ever but <laughs> it was fun it was a fun time if you look it up look up the ride um, type in my name and the ride on on the in Google and it'll probably pop up I'm like in a red shirt and I'm a young buck at the time but <laughs> yeah, I want to see really. what you looked like in high school because you're like yeah. a tank now were you always like stacked or what no I was like a hundred 81 pounds I think 176 pounds in high school I didn't start gaining weight till like my sophomore year in college after my redshirt freshman year when I actually started playing I was like I need to gain some weight because I was getting beat up and, and I got hurt and I missed some games and I'm like I just got to gain some weight and I just went after it hard in the in the weight room and stuff and just kind of been like that ever since but yeah I was a small skinny guy I, I should pull up uh, maybe I can get it for bonus content So we won state championship. I had such long hair at the time. I didn't know what to do with my hair. And so I just full spiked it. And it was just full (laughs) spiked. And here I am standing with like the California state trophy with my hair. And it just looks like I stuck my hand in an outlet, just shocked myself. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so high school is way different, you know? Yeah, we had had different high school experiences for sure. (laughs) Yeah, anything you can remember from high school, just off the top of your head yeah i mean i've told that butler story before but like you go into a game and you throw it twice and it's just frustrating and yeah I, I'm, it's a small market anyway central indiana football is not like uh socal football at all so it's just like different Doesn't different paths to the same place what's everybody that makes, does everyone make the playoffs oh yeah yep <laughs> i love that so you could I win two that. games and then get an zero and eight team out of the draw and win a playoff game and, and you can win the whole thing and you're like, you won two games all year. That's what I'm telling my guys. If we won two games, I'm like, look, reset the schedules. We got a chance to win this whole thing. Yeah. I mean, in reality, you probably don't. but You get just, hot at the right time, man. Yeah, exactly. Well, you think about what they're going to try and do in the CFL is take eight teams to the playoffs. And my whole thing is like, just don't be the ninth team. Just don't be the ninth team. You, you can know? go one and, one, uh, one and five and win it all. And win it all. Exactly right. You just got to punch your ticket. And that's crazy to me to take eight teams and just If one you won team. the Grey Cup going one and five, you'd finish four and five Grey Cup champion. <laughs> <laughs> That'd yeah. be gnarly, dude. That'd be so gnarly. And here's, here's the other thing I want to make that known is I don't want anyone to think like whoever, if we get back to football and whoever wins the Grey Cup, there should not be an asterisk next to the Grey Cup champion. They work if not harder in a situation that was way harder than just knowing 
everything, all the certainties about life and football and just going with all these uncertainties in the world and everything going on. I think it speaks volumes of the team that you have if you end up winning the Grey Cup in a year like this. And even though you're only playing six, you know, regular season games. And that does it for the seventh episode of the Rouge Report. Remember to subscribe on wherever you have your podcasts and leave a five-star review and whatever your comments are. And we appreciate all the feedback and we will cater this to the fans as always. We want this to be your podcast. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Rouge Report presented by Young's Equipment. A Rough Rider podcast. You're listening to The Rouge Report, brought to you by Young's Equipment, your MacDon headquarters. When you're in the field this harvest, let MacDon lead the way. MacDon headers are built tough to deliver worry-free harvesting performance with any crop, in any condition, and on any combine. Remember to go to youngs.ca and use the podcast code ROUGE, that's R-O-U-G-E, for your chance to win a rider's prize package.